0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to uh, the latest episode of the You Should Run podcast. I'm Tony Heil, council member in Bridgeport, PA. And if you've listened to the podcast in the past, you know that I've spoken with people from all across the country, from Maine, now to Florida, and even Alaska and Hawaii, trying to narrow down someone great to speak with in every state about why they've run for office and hopefully encourage you to get involved and run wherever you are in any part of this great country. Today I'm very, 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 very excited because I am talking with Julie Briskman, my first guest from Virginia, and Virginia is maybe one of the coolest places for politics these days. Uh, It's a much different place than it was 20 years ago, and of course a much different place than it was 50 years ago, and Julie has a a unique and awesome story, and uh, I've been looking forward to this ever since someone suggested it, and I thought, maybe she's going to be too busy, she's got a lot of people talking to her. And so, Julie, I am so thankful that you decided that you would talk with me, and welcome to the podcast.
1: Oh, thank you, Tony. Thank you so much for having me, and you're absolutely right. Virginia has gotten very, very interesting over the last couple years, and so I'm very excited to be
0: involved. Well, Virginia has become exciting over the last couple years, but um, have you always been engaged in politics, or was it the the recent phenomenons that got you highly engaged?
1: So, um, you know, my background is journalism. Uh, I ha- I graduated from the Ohio State University Journalism School, and so I worked in newspapers uh, for the first part of my career. So, of course, we were always covering what was going on in politics um, from all different angles. Um, I began to become more involved in local politics when my friend Andy Resnick ran for this same seat that i now have in 2015 so that's when i started focusing a little bit on what was going on in local politics and then of course with the advent of trump becoming president um things really started to become way more important to me and i started paying even more attention to what was going on in politics
0: well, you have had a really interesting personal life before this. You've traveled the world and been focusing on things around the planet. So, you know, everyone, not, so many people have been despondent or angry or worried about the Trump administration. But I imagine you have had a unique perspective on why you find it bad other than just he says some bad things, right?
1: Exactly. Um I, I did spend um, a number of years working uh, kind of as a spousal hire for State Department, um, and we traveled and lived overseas um, for two tours, and then my ex-husband did an unaccompanied tour overseas, so um, we, I did have sort of this global perspective of um, the United States and what we mean to the rest of the world and what we're trying to do in the rest of the world. Um, I also, shortly after graduating from college, spent time in the Middle East. So, you know, with that internship, I learned about Middle Eastern politics. So I was very concerned on a global perspective um, about this this uh, presidency. And then... On the domestic front, I was very concerned about, you know, I have two teenagers now, and so uh, one, my oldest, is a girl, a woman now. And so from the perspective of um, the way he treats women and the way he thinks about women was alarming to me. Um, And then you can just run the gamut, right? So it's, you know, how he deals with economics uh, domestically, how he deals with... um, uh women how he deals with the climate all those sorts of things are are alarming to me and were alarming to me at the point that he was elected
0: and of course there was a point where his election ended up making you famous well you made yourself famous right when you famously well you do you want to tell the story um i don't want to (laughs) take the thunder away from you but um you became much more famous than you ever expected
1: i did i did in fact um The district in which I live um, contains his Trump national golf course and I can literally walk to his golf course and one fall afternoon in 2017 I was riding my bike um, over on the same street that the golf course is on and his motorcade passed me um, and I expressed how I felt about his administration and um, I was caught on camera so to speak um, flipping off the motorcade, expressing my opinion, and that photograph went viral. Um, and I, I, you know, it was it was timing in a way because I think that people were sort of, I mean, people were frustrated with this presidency, but I'm not sure that people were expressing their frustration and anger even the way they are today. And so I think the fact that I did that and it went viral. Um, just at that moment in time it was expressing what a number of people a lot of people in our country were starting to think about this presidency or they they were already thinking it but hadn't seen somebody else express it in the way that i did (laughs) so um i did get a lot of exposure from that in a lot of stories um in in publications and that sort of thing and that is what led to eventually led to me running for office
0: and it's interesting for a variety of reasons. Um, there's a, a really good show I like called uh, Connected on Netflix that's new. And I was watching a show about surveillance. And uh, so, you know, if you had done what you did 20 or 30 years ago, probably no one, it certainly wouldn't have gone viral. Um, it probably wouldn't have been as popular in Virginia either. Um, and yet now, if you do something like that, it results in consequences because the you can't avoid everyone in the world seeing it.
1: Right. Well, exactly. I mean, if something like that goes viral, you really, you don't aren't able to hide, so to speak. Although the photograph was taken from behind. Um, I do have the shirt on from my local running group of which I'm a co-founder. And so folks identified me locally fairly quickly. Um, but then I was, fired from my job and that that's really what caused more of the outrage than the initial photograph the initial photograph excited some people but they didn't know who i was and folks came to know who i was after i was fired Mm -hmm. because it was a wrongful termination i was literally fired because the government contractor where i worked was afraid of the trump administration and there was there were really no questions asked i was Fired ostensibly for violating their social media code of conduct. But, um, you know, I was on my own time. I wasn't wearing anything that identified the organization where I worked. Um, it was just because I had gotten the publicity. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I got more publicity <laughs> after I was fired and I ended up suing the organization.
0: And so, like you said, it led to you running for office. How did that experience? lead you to run for a local office it seems like th- it could have led to all sorts of directions and thankfully for this podcast and hopefully for <laughs> constituents it led to that decision
1: right so i mean I, I knew almost immediately after i was fired that i had to do something it was just so wrong and Of course, I was searching, and I think so many people were searching in 2017. Like, what can I do? Our country is going in the very wrong direction. Um, And I got a phone call from our chair of our board of supervisors, and um, she asked me to run fairly early in the game. And I really wasn't sure um, at first. And she asked me to run for the same seat that I had campaigned for my friend Andy, and he did not win in 2015. So the same person was sitting there in, in the seat in my district. And the more I thought about it, the more it made sense that I could really affect change more broadly than, you know, if I had done anything else, really. Um, because I wasn't in, quote unquote, in politics yet. So it wasn't appropriate for me necessarily to run for a higher office. But this is a very important seat, and it was a very important seat for us to flip in order to have a Democratic majority on our Board of Supervisors. Um, and so I gave it a lot of thought, and I decided that it, it really did make sense um, for me to run for this seat because, you know, there was a two-term Republican incumbent, Republican incumbent in there making all sorts of bad choices and bad votes for women, for our schools, um for you know uh, gun safety in our county and so the more research i did about the issues that i care about i really could affect change at the local level on these issues that i cared about um and so i decided to run and i hired an awesome campaign manager and we are the only uh supervisor i'm the only supervisor that actually defeated an incumbent in the race um in 2019 um, and we
0: won by nine points it's a really incredible story and it's an incredible story for you personally for your district um, and just in general the, the when you look at Virginia's history um, before 2008 it was a strictly Republican state no, like Democrats may have competed for it I don't know but you know went for Nixon it went for um it went for Ford in '76. Uh, didn't vote for Clinton, even though he won so many states and was a Southern governor. Um, and so it wasn't until things flipped with Obama that things started changing there. And even then, after that, I uh, went for Republican governor. Um, uh-huh. So do you? It, it feels like the party in Virginia, um, which may not have existed, the Democratic Party may not have existed much um, decades ago. Uh, It feels like everyone's got a responsibility in that party to be running for office in Virginia now. Do you feel like a big energy (laughs) there?
1: I feel a lot of energy here. um, And I was so proud of the state. Shortly after this incident happened, actually, we had the statewide where we took the top three seats, um, governor, lieutenant governor, and um, uh, attorney general for the state. Uh, And that happened right after my incident. So there is... A lot of energy but you know I wouldn't necessarily say that everybody has to run I feel that so many people have stepped in with the party um, since you know 2015 2016 that have created this energy um, especially women organizing have just been amazing um, and so I think that the energy comes from the grassroots, really. Um, And then there's folks like me who are, you know, I'm a complete extrovert. I'm, you know, I've lived in my district for 20 years. It was the, I was kind of the right person. But it, it, you can't do it unless you've got this energy underneath you. And it's, like I said, it's not necessarily people that have to run. It's people have to work. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, you know, you ran for office. I mean, you have to work. Um, and you just, you can't get it done without the grassroots. I mean, we have Network Nova, we've got Moms Demand. Um, all these groups have helped turn Virginia around, and they continue to work today. I mean, the, the chairwoman of our LCDC, Loudoun County Democrats, She's started in politics in 2016, and now she's chairing the, the Democratic Party of Loudoun. So that's I feel kind of like that's where the energy is coming from and yes we do have more women running and taking you know office we have two african-american women running for governor um next year
0: right and they're not just like oh we have two there are um accomplished impressive women for any state who are Mm -hmm. african-american women running for governor of virginia and not that there weren't impressive great african-american women who could have run other years but like to know that they have a possibility to win and that they are credible candidates um is a testament to any state especially virginia
1: exactly i mean i mean look at jennifer carol foy she's one of the first women graduates of vmi
0: Mm -hmm. Um,
1: and she's a lawyer it's you know she she's got the cred and um i'm i'm very hopeful that one of them you know in the time that um uh I'm sorry, I'm forgetting her name, Jennifer McClellan
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, you know you, if you look at her record in the state legislature, it's amazing. They're both amazing candidates <laughs> so i I really um the other thing that I should say is there are folks that have been paving the way before I came along, right? And a lot of what's happened in Virginia couldn't be accomplished without the Jennifer Carroll Foy's, the Phyllis Randalls, right? She's the first African-American chair of a board in a county board in Virginia. And um, without her paving the way, she was already in there for one term before I ran. Um, and so a lot of these folks have already been knocking down the wall brick by brick, mm-hmm. um, opening the, the path for folks like me. to to come and and get started in local
0: politics. Yeah, We had a a great example of that in um, the Philadelphia suburbs where on a presidential level, the suburbs have been going more democratic, but local level, not so much. In 2015, Montgomery County, or 2011, uh, Montgomery County, Pennsylvania finally flipped the county commissioners seat that had been Republican since the Civil War and then yes. last year the Delaware County Council just like you said like the two years before Democrats finally won any seats on the council and then this past election they got a majority and um, it makes a big difference people don't realize the kind of difference you can make on county government and how it takes time to build up those um, coalitions and supporters.
1: Right, exactly. I mean, um, our state legislators take the, this is one thing that I learned as I was examining whether I was going to run or not. Um, Our state legislators take the lead often from the board of supervisors on what needs to happen, you know, at the state level. So um, I, I think one thing that this, Presidency and this new energy has done for for us is people are starting to understand where the foundation of influence is, so to speak, mm-hmm. um, and that's why we're seeing a lot more activity on, on on the local level.
0: Yeah, I have. I mean, I don't care about polls so much, although I read every one of them because you know that's how Twitter <laughs> is. But I think that one thing that people aren't considering. Is, I remember 2008, and it felt like everyone focused on Barack Obama, which is great, terrific. But this year, there are so many people either on the ballot um, for state legislative races and other things across the country or who have run like yourself and built up an infrastructure. Do you think that this might be an undercounted story for the election that, like, in comparison to past years, Democrats are... Actively getting people involved from the ground up instead of just waiting for a presidential campaign to swoop in?
1: Oh, well, absolutely. I mean, if you have the bench, and I think, I kind of think Republicans figured this out a long time ago, Mm -hmm. right? They started at the school board level. Right. That
0: was Newt Gingrich's story, like getting people organizing from the school board up.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So I, I think Democrats are finally realizing. That you know you need to have this bench, and also if you if you take out sort of the figureheads at the same time, right? So one of the things I did when I was thinking about running was I went and I worked really hard for the Jennifer Wexton campaign,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and we got her in office and uh, in 2018, and that kind of like cut the head off the snake, right? So we got rid of. Um, Barbara Comstock, who then couldn't do fundraising for Republican candidates when the supervisor campaigns came around, right? She wasn't as influential. So at least here, you know, in my area, Virginia 10 and some, some of the other Virginia areas, if you do both, it's really successful, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, Yeah. and we, we took, we have a 6-3 majority now on the Board of Supervisors, and I think the school board's 7 two i believe democratic and then we've got wexton who i would be i mean i can't imagine she's going to lose in 2020 knock on wood um but you know it's 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 pretty solid um right
0: right now yeah i remember that race in particular um not that i was there but people were saying this is the seat that if Democrats are going to win the majority, this is the exact seat that they need to win. And everyone was focusing on it, and it was like a bellwether for, for the entire country, which I'm sure from your history, um, you would not have expected a Virginia congressional race to be a bellwether for national politics before this.
1: Right, exactly, right? And it was the first race called. Mm-hmm. She crushed it. It was so exciting. I mean, that was so energizing for me, looking at running, right? It's like, wow! If she if she can do it, if she can beat a Barbara Comstock, you know, I can beat a Suzanne volpe
0: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> you know, at the, in Algonquian District. And then you, you have just got to work hard. We knocked so many doors for Wexton, mm-hmm. and in my campaign, my campaign knocked ten thousand doors. Wow! I I personally knocked three thousand.
0: Hmm. That that um, takes a lot a, a lot of time, especially because um, you know my area has got a lot of row homes. Um, I imagine in your area, if you're knocking doors, you do have to do a lot of walking and knocking.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Luckily, I'm in one of the denser districts in Loudon County. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they are uh, – <laughs> we're one of the wealthiest counties in the nation, and, you know, there's some – really big homes, and you got to walk pretty far between them. <laughs> so it was time-consuming and hot, but it was totally worth it. <laughs> and,
0: and and then also in Virginia, you had Abigail Spanberger um, defeating David Bratt, which is a huge difference between yes. him and his, I would say, odious politics um, versus such an accomplished and impressive person who, even before being in um, Congress would have been a uh, great candidate for Senate in most of the country.
1: Yes, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Yes. She's amazing as well. So many amazing, so many amazing folks.
0: So now you ran for local office though, and uh, there are more local seats than anything across the country. What do you see that you're able to make a difference on? Um, and you know, why is it important that you're in that seat?
1: Well, um, we're making a lot of progress now in Loudoun County because we have the the majority on the board. Um, But, for example, I mean, I I think you saw that we passed the ERA Mm -hmm. in Virginia. That was one of my campaign, you know, one of the legs in my campaign because 70% of my district of the women in my district over the age of 16 70 of them are part of the labor force but we had somebody sitting in the seat that didn't support the era so in our legislative agenda we were able to support um the era which was fantastic in getting that passed but also when it comes to fully funding our schools um and making sure that we have the funds in our coffers to do that now you know you have to put a little asterisk on that now with covid but um, those are the sorts of things that we're looking at, fully funding our schools, supporting working women, um, and we're also looking at our law enforcement now, which probably wouldn't be happening if we didn't have a democratic board. Um, we're looking at changing from a sheriff's department to a police department so we can have more accountability in law enforcement. Mm-hmm. Um, and just before I got on the phone with you, I was reading a study um uh, from Who Leads Us about sheriffs across the country and how they are not not accountable, and we just can't have that anymore, especially in a county our size. Um, and then also very local things like, you know, I'm working on connectivity of bike paths and sidewalks in my district.
0: You better be working on bike paths like that. That <laughs> has to be the <laughs> thing you're tied to, right?
1: Right. Well. You know, I've, I'm, I've already been working with VDOT. We already have a road in my district that's getting repaved, and there's going to be a bike path on the road. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are the sorts of things that we're working on. Trail connectivity in our county is a huge deal. I've got the the Potomac River boards, the northern side of my district and our county. And there's a trail there that just kind of dead ends as you go west, and so trying to get that connected. So people have, you know, it, it all comes down to improved quality of life, Mm -hmm. so that you have outdoor recreation activities where you don't have to get in your car to go, you know, get on a trail, so we're working toward that in the county.
0: And it's a a great thing, because even I know that area a bit, from going there for work or visiting friends, and it's such a beautiful part of the country, and so to, uh, when you're on a local level, you can take those beautiful parts of your area, whether you're in Virginia or Alaska or anywhere in between, and you know, make use of what you have because you are kind of limited in what you can do in local government, but that is something where you have a lot of power to um, make use of the good things in your community.
1: Right, exactly. And, um, you know, it doesn't just benefit, you know, it improves quality of life, but in the end, it improves, you know, housing values and it improves, um, you know, our tax base when the housing values go up and if there's an improved quality of life, businesses want to locate here and mm-hmm. then proves our tax base again. So, you know, I'm, I'm learning how all these things are connected. Boy, am I learning a lot. <laughs>
0: and, and I think that that is, um, both a good thing. and also something that for a lot of people, um, makes them feel like they're not qualified or hinders them from running. Right. Like, um, mm-hmm. even me, when I ran, I was like, well, I don't know if I know a lot about what I can do, um, if you, if you're someone—not you—but if I was listening to this and was unsure about running because I'm not an expert in all things local, you know, what mm. would your message be to someone that is curious like you and and engaged like you, but feels like maybe they're not ready or qualified because they don't know everything?
1: So, you know, I I can I can speak to my story, and that might help inform somebody who's sitting in a position where they're thinking about running my my sort of inner dialogue and then conversations with folks like other elected officials <coughs> they made me realize that um excuse me hang on <coughs> my experience in the community uh, <coughs> qualifies me right so a lot of things that i was doing in the community thinking oh that's just what a mom does was informing me as to what needs to happen in local government i volunteered on just about every sports team my kid was on i raised money for a swim team i sat on the pta i'm a co-founder of a local running club i played in the local orchestra like all of these things inform you for these sorts of positions in the end you Mm -hmm. just need to know your community you just need to know your community if you're running locally um you know just the fact that i was out biking on the roads and running on the roads and those sorts of things i have an understanding of where the connectivity is not happening where the sidewalks are missing
0: Mm -hmm.
1: all these little local things if you're in a community long enough you already know them you just, you do. And then what you do when you get in is you lean on staff. Um, and we're lucky in Loudoun County, right? We have phenomenal staff. We have a phenomenal administrator, county administrator. And you just have to be not afraid to ask the questions when the time comes.
0: And doesn't it become easier to ask questions when you're not the only person of your background on a council? With, or you have other political allies, Um you know people you talk about like um you have a democratic congresswoman so you know they can't raise money that's a financial political thing i mean the republican isn't there raising money for other candidates but when there's other Democrats who are on council or on school board, you have people who you can ask a question on the side and be like, you know, we're friends. Can you tell me what I need to know right. here? Like the, exactly. those allyships can make a big difference. And it, there's a value in being an ally to others.
1: Absolutely. And I've been um, tapping those allies in, on, in a number of cases. And they actually tap me as well. I mean, I just met with one of the state legislators from my district, uh, for a traffic issue that one of our, you know, um, co-constituents, for lack of a better word. This person's a constituent to both of us, right? Mm -hmm. So we both met with them. And then I've been doing monthly town halls. And I look at the committees that, you know, my state legislators are on, and I invite them to join the town hall. Um, You know, I'm getting ready to do one with our um, Commonwealth's attorney, and I invited, you know, two of our state legislators who are on the committees that deal with law enforcement at the state level. So it's very helpful to be able to, to talk to each other and, ha- you know, just be able to text. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, are you on this committee? Like, what do you think of this? <laughs> and, yeah. And, and, you know, those relationships for me. We're really developed on the campaign trail. Mm-hmm. So another piece of advice I would have for somebody that's looking at doing something like this is get involved well before the year of your race, right? Get involved with someone else's campaign. Mm-hmm. Not only do you learn how to campaign, you learn how they operate, and then you you build the relationships. You know i I campaigned in a special for one of my state senators. I campaigned for Wexton. I I knocked doors in primaries all leading up to my election, and that's how I developed a lot of the allies that I have now.
0: Yeah, I I know for me, um, and people, if you're listening, go back and find a podcast I did with my state representative, Tim Briggs. I worked with him on a campaign 15 years ago, um, and then 16 years ago, and then later he became a state rep, and he represents my town. So. Uh I can just by chance of where I moved and so I can text him or he can text me and say what's up with this person or should the trail go here or can you help us with grant opportunities and that's awesome it's not you know people might be like oh that politics is dirty like no it's not that's the kind of relationship everyone should want their officials to have that they work with each other and not against each other
1: exactly exactly yeah that's awesome.
0: So we know how people should get involved, um, and I think that Virginia's got an interesting story um, because of the the growth and the progression. Um, like you said, it, it's not just that Democrats are winning; it's that um, so you're not replacing, um, you know, a, a conservative Republican with now a conservative Democrat. So it's just the title that's changing. Um, with that story in mind if someone is thinking about getting involved in politics in idaho or in utah like in another place what would your words of encouragement be to kind of push them along and say it's okay to run
1: um i would well my encouragement just learn as much as you can and make sure that you know your experience is something that would be valuable to the seat, which in all likelihood it would be Um, and educate yourself and work on campaigns and just be willing to work hard and i think also being willing to ask the questions and listen is really important Um, especially like if you're out knocking doors i mean i learned so much about my district even more when i was out knocking doors about what people wanted and what people needed Um, so if you're thinking about running, just go start knocking doors now for whoever's running (laughs) and just tell them, you know, if you're, if, if you're knocking doors, ask them to knock in the district where you're thinking about running, because then you learn so much about your district, not even just geographically, right? about the streets and the um you know where the bad intersections are and people will talk to you about schools and they'll talk to you about the parks and they'll talk to you about their job and their commute i mean you get a lot of no-shows when you knock doors but when you get someone that talks you learn so much
0: yeah, and you also lives. learn about... Go who, knock doors. <laughs> go knock doors. It's hard to knock doors right now in a pandemic.
1: Well, that's true.
0: It's something... I guess
1: you can do it with a mask on, or you can do call time.
0: Yeah. It's uh, something I, I might do soon, because our numbers are going down locally, and um, I can talk to my neighbors, but it's... No one knows what they can do. Um, but speaking of a pandemic, what <laughs> what are kinds of things that people should know about what local government is able to do to help and and you know have you been able to feel positive about your own involvement versus you know what someone else may or may not do
1: uh you you mean vis-a-vis the pandemic
0: well yeah in this healthcare situation like in this crisis you you obviously Mm -hmm. you know the challenges that are coming budget-wise but you know what what is what can local government do in a crisis that you feel that it's important for local government to be there
1: Well, I think, so, for example, when we allocate our CARES monies, Mm -hmm. you do have certain restrictions, as you probably know, that they have to be used for COVID, um, and they have to be used by a certain time. You know, COVID expenses, they have to be used for a certain time. But you do have flexibility in there to a certain extent as to which nonprofits get the funds. Um, And so I think it's important for example, I, I'm an ally with New Virginia Majority for the Hispanic community. And a lot of them have non-conforming rents, mm-hmm. non-conforming leases. And so encouraging that funds go to, to those sorts of rents and leases, at least a certain percentage of them. Um, and then for us, at least in Loudoun County, we, um, we ask the governor not to reopen Northern Virginia as fast as the rest of the state because our numbers weren't there. So as a local government, five of us up here in Northern Virginia wrote a letter to the governor and said, listen, we're not ready yet. Um, so those are a couple of the things that we've been doing. And then I think what's super important is modeling the behavior that you want Um I, you know, wearing a mask wherever you go, taking mm-hmm. a picture of yourself with your mask on, um, putting out information. I put out, I was doing it three times a week and now we're down to weekly, uh, COVID updates mm-hmm. on my social media. So making sure that people stay informed about the numbers and about what the county's doing to keep everybody safe and then being transparent about how you are spending the, um, the CARES Act money. Mm-hmm. Um, we've done also, with our CARES Act money, we've done some local business grants, which have been helpful, um, and again, we wanted to make sure that small businesses were able to take advantage of that. So, And then I sit on um, the Council of Governments, so it's, a, it's in Washington, D.C., but it's, it's governments from the region.
0: They let you and into Washington? So,
1: What's that? They let
0: you into Washington, D.C.?
1: Yeah. <laughs> they do. They let me into Washington. I don't ride my bike there. It's too far right now. Too hot. But, yeah. um, no, so the Council of Governments have, has passed a number of resolutions related to COVID and to, um, systemic, about systemic racism. Mm-hmm. So those sorts of things, I think, are very important to be bringing to the fore and making sure that we keep the pressure on, um, the state and, and national, um, government to do the right thing
0: it sounds like from hearing what you're doing um it's it's the same way that you're successful in running and in deciding to run and that involves a lot of listening and seeing where those problems are and um i imagine that for anyone it's a good lesson about um the value of being a good listener to be a good leader
1: absolutely absolutely yep
0: well, in that respect, I hope that you of all, if you're listening, have enjoyed listening to uh, Julie Briskman. It's a good transition. Um, I Thank could you. I could listen to your stories um, all day about this. And I, I appreciate that you've run for office and um, that you're making a difference in Virginia, becoming a much different state than it was. Um, and before we go, because um, I did talk to your staff about this and others, what is the, the, the uh, groundbreaking effect of the change in how people view things like the Confederacy and the monuments, um, I think people don't realize just how monumental (pun intended) that yeah. is for people's perception and livelihoods in the state.
1: Um, you mean the fact that we're we're taking them down,
0: taking them down, and that it's mm-hmm. like a it's not an unpopular thing that people, so many people, are supportive of of this change in. And what is being celebrated in Virginia?
1: I think it's reflective of the change that's been coming across Virginia for the last couple of years. And I think it's just a recognition that these monuments are a tool or were a tool put up to continue to support the structure of systemic racism in our country. And um, I'm, I'm just, I was super proud to be able to vote to give the monument in Leesburg back to the daughters of the Confederacy, um, and it's now gone from our courthouse grounds. Um, I am actually, this might be a little bit of breaking news. I'm actually bringing a um, board member initiative is what we call it. That's like le- uh, that's like a legislation on the local level. But my initiative in September will be that we have our county staff and our heritage commission look. At monuments, street signs, schools, any other type of sign um, in the county that either honors or designates an area for somebody who was, you know, a, a racist or a segregationist or supported the Civil War. Um, and so we're going to come up with that list in our county so that we can get rid of more of those things, right? The, the, the silent sentinel in in, our, in front of our courthouse was just one of the biggest ones. But I think in order to really start the healing process, we need to look at everything that's in our county that might be uh, offensive to our black brothers and sisters who are just trying to live in peace and not be continually reminded of the oppression of the last 400 years. So that'll be coming in September, and hopefully we can make more change uh, once that's passed.
0: Well, it's it's an incredible journey for the state. You've had an incredible journey, both figuratively and literally. And, um, again, you wouldn't have been able to accomplish these things by not listening to your constituents and listening to... Absolutely the the pain and the 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 lived experiences of um black americans in your in your state so i hope that again i hope that if you're listening you have um found encouragement in julie's story i know i have i find it inspiring and motivating um lastly julie if people want to listen more and learn more about you what's the best place they can go to follow you especially on social media
1: so, um, I do have Supervisor Julie Briskman as a Facebook page. I have Julie Briskman on Twitter, so it's at J U L I Briskman on Twitter. Um, and then I have Briskman for Supervisors, also a Facebook page that will be my continue to be my campaign page. Although I get to have this seat luckily for four years (laughs) so that one might be quiet for a little while (laughs) Uh,
0: you say it's luckily but it's luck because it was worked hard for and and earned thank you (laughs) and if you're listening you can earn a seat and a voice in government too and and do a lot by listening uh thank you julie i am uh, i really appreciate your talking and all of the time you've given and uh, the time you're going to give to virginia
1: thank you so much for the opportunity